welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Man, I have been so busy lately that um, I haven't been recording episodes as often as I would like or as I have in the past. And I've actually had a few of you reached out saying that you miss them. And I'm glad. That's a good sign, right? That's a good sign. Um, but I've been really, really busy. And I'm launching on November. I know a lot of you are interested in the mindful eating course. And the structure of my business over the past three months has really changed. I have This has a point, guys. Bear with me. This has a point. It's completely changed. And so I'm launching next Saturday. So November 18th, this coming Saturday from when you hear this, um, I'm launching a full-blown community that's called Be Strong. And many of you have already seen in stories, Instagram stories, what that's going to look like. But I have been doing a bunch of courses that's just part of this. So for $47 a month, you get access to this community, to my training, to courses on fat loss, reversing, maintenance, builds, and my exercise library with all these videos of me breaking down like 10, 20 minute breakdowns of different exercises. And and then you can also upload videos of you performing exercises and I will do personal form reviews. I mean, this community is huge. Um, what we're going to be providing. Um, there's going, I think one of the things that I'm most excited about Besides just like the weekly lives, I think are going to be a great way to just keep energy up, stay in tune with you guys and your needs, um, help you guys, you know, get your nutrition plans on point, make sure you're going in the right direction and have the support you need. But I'm really excited about the monthly themes because I really do believe that we need to create a new identity. If you want to achieve something or be something that you never have been or done before, you have to create a new identity. Who you have been has gotten you to where you are right now. Now, it may not get you though to where you want to be, especially if your trajectory is off. Maybe where, who you've been, what you've been doing has gotten you to into, you into a place where you are unhealthy and unhappy and not, you know, your fittest, healthiest, happiest self. So your identity needs to change. And who you are in regards to food and how you perceive it and how you use it, all of that needs to change. And I think sometimes after working with hundreds of women, I feel like so many think, well, all I need is the magic macro ratio. All I need is, is the nutrition plan. I don't need anything else. And for those of you who have done this for a while, who have tried to change, um, you know that actually it's the mental aspect that is the hardest part of all of this. So every single month, there's going to be themes that we are all as a community going to be working on. There's going to be education around it. There's going to be challenges around it um, so that you can become the person you want to be. Mental flexibility around foods, around exercises. Some people are so scared to have any sort of mental flexibility that they're too rigid and they break. It's the all or nothing mindset. December, we are going to be, our theme is going to be how to stay present with family and friends throughout the holiday while staying on track. And a lot of it is going to be based off of flexibility, learning mental flexibility around foods, around workouts so that you can find a healthy, happy, sweet spot for you. 
personally, in your situation, um, January's theme, I'm beyond excited about this theme. January's theme is centered on becoming the master of protein. So many people struggle with protein. So many people are like, I can barely get 80 grams. Now, I used to be that person. And because I used to be that person, I know what helps. I know how to go from barely being able to hit 40, 50 a a day to now I'm like, it's hard for me to stay under 150 because I love protein. I know how to, in yummy, delicious ways, hit it. I'm not talking about drinking shakes all day long either. So I'm really, really excited for January's theme where everything is based around becoming the master of protein and increasing it for you and your family in enjoyable ways. So I'm just really excited. We're going to be having guest speakers come on. For example, I'm not a vegan. Um, I'm not a vegetarian. So for me, well, mainly being a vegan, for me, you know, if I'm choosing nutrition around protein, it's going to be extremely different for me versus somebody who is a vegan. And that's the lifestyle that they've chosen for whatever reason, right? That's important to them. And that's the lifestyle they've chosen. And I want to help them too. So we're going to have guest speakers who are vegans, (laughs) who know how to help you. And so I'm just, and then also the community itself, you will have other people in the same situation as you who will be able to help as well. This, I'm just so excited about this. So, so excited. But in um, recording a lot of the uh, courses, I was recording a course yesterday on muscle building and how to maximize that, whether you're in maintenance and you're going for a little bit more recomp or maybe a very, very, very slight deficit, going for more body recomp at the same time, or whether you are in a calorie surplus. And the question that I always get in regards to maximizing muscle, people are always wondering about cardio. Cardio during builds, is it going to impede your uh, possibility of growth if you're doing cardio? So today... I want to address that question. I want to talk about what's referred to as the interference effect. And this was really, the the first big study we got on this was actually 1980, five years before I was born, guys. They were kind of figuring out, oh, there might be some interference for, you know, putting on strength or muscle. And so it this goes back to 1980. But since 1980, I feel like that study, and I will tag all of these studies in the notes, the show notes, but I feel like that one is kind of what really turned people's minds towards this idea that it could really hinder somebody's progress. So I'm just going to kind of give a few examples. Women will come to me who maybe they love their aerobic classes and they feel connection with people in those classes. So they're like, I want to do my weightlifting, do my hypertrophy programming, but I love the connection and the fun and the friendships that I build in my aerobic classes. Is that hindering? Or somebody comes to me and says, you know, I've been a marathon runner. I've been um, an endurance athlete for a long time. Now I want to put on gains, but I love my running. Is this going to impede? I've heard that you can't do both. It's called concurrent. So whenever you hear me saying concurrent uh, training, that means that somebody is doing a bunch of aerobic and resistance training And it's in the same program at the same time. Okay, so that's what concurrent training is. So as I go through some of this research, I will be saying concurrent training. And so I wanted you guys to know exactly what I'm referring to. So when people come to me, they're wondering, can I hit my goals? I have had ultra runners come to me saying, I want to look the part. 
I'm fit. I do all of these amazing things, but I want to look like I am. I don't feel like I look like I am. I've had aerobic instructors that teach one to three hours a day classes who come to me saying, I'm fit. I'm healthy. I don't look like I am though, as far as muscle development. And I want to look the part too. Can I do both? So if this is you, or if you know somebody, send this episode to them because I'm going to break down all of this for you. And I'm going to start from the very beginning, the very first study that really launched this idea off. So there is this, this theory, and it's not just a theory. We've also seen this in practice, that there is an interference effect. And the interference effect states that endurance training signaling stunts muscle growth, which led to a decrease in muscle size as well as force capacity. So strength too. Having endurance training in the same program as resistance training can, in fact, reduce gains. This is referred to as that interference or the concurrent training effect. So this is this idea. And there are some people who take this idea really to the extreme, stating that any cardio during a build will destroy your ability to see results. So what does the research show? And I'm pretty much giving you guys an idea of the type of course material you're going to find in my mini courses on uh, in that community I just barely got done explaining. The community is called Be Strong. So if you hear me saying in Be Strong, I'm referring to my community. Really quickly, because I get this question a lot, if you already are an app user, you don't have to pay anything extra to get this community. The community is just part of the app. So think about the community. Um, Be Strong has all of these amazing things within it being the training, the courses, the community, um, $500 worth of giveaways every month just for being in the community to lucky um, individuals, as well as those who win, you know, the the different challenges that we're going to be doing to help people become who they want to be as far as health and fitness goes. But anyways, so this is just kind of an example of the coursework you're going to find. So let's start at the very beginning. We now know what interference effect is. I The main question I think is like the context. What is the context in which we really see interference of muscle gains. Now keep in mind it goes both ways. If your main goal is to maximize endurance as an endurance athlete, then keep in mind that weightlifting equally will have some sort of interference effect on the sport that you're trying to prioritize. So these principles can be looked both ways. What are you trying to prioritize? And your context and your body, and we're going to also talk about your gender, actually will have some influence, whether you are male or female, will have some influence as far as the effects. So this will be a very interesting um, breakdown from the beginning. So like I said, in 1980, there was a study showing considerably considerably smaller strength gains um, in those doing concurrent training versus those doing resistance training alone. So this is kind of what sparked in 1980, this whole idea and this whole fear around concurrent training. Remember, concurrent training is having a program where within the program, there is both aerobic and resistance training. So this sparked enough fear for them to do a meta-analysis in 2012. A meta-analysis is when you gather a ton of different studies 
and you break down the studies that are around the same idea and you're able to analyze them and see what all of them are saying together, seeing main themes that are coming out of all of them. So meta-analysis is a very powerful tool when we are looking at research because just one study, I mean, just the method that was used may determine the outcome or even just the bias within the study group, the individuals can determine the outcome. So maybe even where the money is coming from for the study may determine. So that's why just taking one study and saying, oh, look, guys, it said this, we need to have caution with that. Last, um, a week or two ago, I had a podcast episode where we analyzed a study that showed that like 52, up to 52 sets a week um, had a slight better hypertrophy gains than those landing around, you know, 20. There wasn't just, there's not just one study on that subject, by the way, guys. Other studies have shown indeed that it seems like more volume does equate to more hypertrophy. So it wasn't just that one. And also keep in mind, I'm not encouraging anybody to try to do 50 plus sets a week. That's not, especially for every single muscle group. That's impossible, um, exhausting. I don't know if anybody could recover from that, especially a trained individual. Um, The idea, and I think where those studies come into play is context. Is the context correct? Is somebody trying to see more gains on their glutes than anywhere else? If that's so, then maybe we increase the volume to 20, 30, maybe 35 sets a week per the glutes. And then everything else comes down. Remember, we've seen studies showing that even a ninth of the volume will maintain muscle. So that's usually what we see with specialization programs is we see a reduction in the volume to minimum amounts to maintain of all of the muscles that we're not trying to see substantial increases in. So just wanted to fill you in on that. So there's not just one study saying more volume may be better. There's actually a few different studies too where we're seeing that it is leading towards more. So if you've always stayed around 15, 18, 20 um, sets a week, and you have a muscle group that you would like to see more development in, then maybe you start venturing in the 20 to 30 range. Maybe you raise it you know, from um, averaging 20 to now it's averaging 25. Per that one muscle group, that you're trying to see a little bit more growth in, right? This isn't a full body. That would be excessive, hard to recover from. And it would be it just hours and hours in the gym, right? So that's why there are some muscle groups that maybe we bring the volume down in, and which will allow recoverability for the more volume that we're putting towards the specialized muscle. Okay, sorry, that was totally off tangent, but let's go back to the interference effect. So in 2012, there was this meta-analysis. Now that we all know the words and what they mean, there was a meta-analysis that led and showed that concurrent training led to smaller muscle and strength. So there is something to this. We are seeing this. So that was in 2012. Now, In 2021, there was another meta-analysis done. And this one was really good. They did an amazing job in taking all of these different studies. And what they started doing is they separated the studies and the information by training status that means training age. That means they wanted to separate and see how does concurrent training affect people who are barely trained, kind of trained, and really trained? Like, are there differences in this interference effect? Um, And then they also did another amazing thing that I absolutely love. That's why this study is so good. 
they said timing matters. We're going to just assume that timing matters. Are these people doing it before weightlifting? Are they doing it after weightlifting? Are they doing it on days when they're not weightlifting so it's not on the same day? Are they separating the time? So maybe they wake up in the morning, do weightlifting, four hours later, five hours, six, they're doing their cardio, their aerobic, right? So they did a really good job not only saying we're going to look at how long you've been training, but we're going to look at the timing of resistance training and endurance training. So good, right? I mean, this is this is good quality research. So this analysis was really good. It showed there was no impact on strength for untrained subjects nor any interference effect when trained subjects split their endurance and resistance training into separate sessions. You hearing me? Very, very good. So between 1980 And 2021, we went from being scared to death to do any sort of concurrent training because it's going to kill all of your gains, no cardio, to now we understand any interference effect does actually depend on the training state or training age of the individual. And also when the endurance or cardio is being done compared to when the resistance training lifting is being done. Those things actually matter. Context matters. Isn't that interesting? So when people say, well, should I be doing cardio? It depends, right? It's that, it's that in, it depends. We're flexible. We're living in kind of that middle, that gray area. People don't like living there. They don't like thinking there. They want to choose their team. They want to be anti-something, right? It's very interesting, but context actually matters. Um, And then it is very interesting that another meta-analysis was done in 2022 that says, you know, guys, we're kind of seeing that it's not as big interference effect isn't as noteworthy as we thought before. We're really not seeing huge differences between concurrent training and between uh, strength training only as far as gains goes. So now this has kind of opened up this whole debate of does it really exist? Do we even really need to worry about it? And I still come back to context matters. I'm going to add another layer on top of this, but I do want to do a little recap before I do. So remember up until this point, looking back all the way between 1980 and now, what we're seeing is mainly, yes, this This is a thing. It could interfere, but what's your training age? Because if you're newer into lifting, you don't have to worry about this. Isn't that interesting? We see that time and time again. If you're newer into lifting, your first year, you can get away with doing anything, which isn't that actually kind of freeing for those of you who are in their first year? You're a newbie. You can experience all these newbie gains. You don't have to. Pretty much why I love it is because it it allows you to see that there's so much flexibility for your body that you can learn as you go and you can see results as you go. I did stupid things my first year of training. Looking back, I'm like, well, I wouldn't do that again now. But was that so damaging, quote unquote, to me. No, I still saw great results. I still saw results. 
Could they have been a little better? I don't know. I could live in that world, but I'm not going to. You have the freedom and flexibility to to learn as you grow and as you progress towards your progress. I think that that's amazing. So don't be so scared to mess up. That first year, you can go in and so much will work for you. You don't have to worry about should I do cardio after? Should I should I wait four hours? Should I do it only on non you know lifting days? That first year, just work on the basics. Get into the gym. Find a joy and love for lifting weights, for being strong. Get cardio in there too whenever you can. Now I will say this: um, don't do if your primary goal is to see body recomp body recomp is building a little muscle and losing fat at the same time, then don't, don't do cardio sessions before lifting sessions. Always do it training, lifting weights first, then cardio, because there is going to be uh, an effect on your strength. Um, what you do first, you will be, have more energy for, yeah, just being able to get in and kill it. So if your goal is, well, my weightlifting is second. I'm trying to get an awesome time at my marathon. Well, then obviously go in and do your endurance training first. But if your goal is, no, I want body recomp. I want a little bit of muscle, see fat loss. Well, then do strength training first, cardio after. For you guys, it doesn't, like so much can be done though. So much. I love that freedom and flexibility that you have. So, what we see from this is as you become more trained, then it kind of matters. Then we might want to start splitting it up more, right? Because you're more trained. But like I said, I'm going to add another layer to this. I'm going to share in 2000, this was just recently, in October of 2023, there was a meta-analysis done of 59 studies. And overall, that found that the interference effect only really existed in men, not women, for lower body. Isn't that interesting? Now, keep in mind, unfortunately, women don't show up a ton in the literature. And I don't think that that's because anybody's anti-female. I think it's because we haven't been weightlifting as long as much. The population of us weightlifters, women weightlifters are not um, as large as men. Also, um, I mean, I've seen a huge shift just in the, in the past, like seven plus years that I've been coaching and being in weightlifting in the fitness industry, I've seen a huge shift of way more women. And so I do think we're also going to be seeing huge shifts of more women showing up in studies as well. And I will say this about researchers, um, hearing them talk about how hard it is to get anybody to show up for a study um, in general is really hard. So I do give them grace that they put it out there. They want more women in. It's not like they're trying to keep us out um, it's just, it is hard to find people to show up for, you know, 12 weeks to be sometimes even coming into their, the researchers facility to have them yeah, train there to follow protocol and nutrition. Like it's just hard enough in general to find people to do this, but men, uh, have more time being heavily into, uh, weightlifting. So I'm just going to throw that out there. I did really like what Menno said, his take on this new meta-analysis showing we're actually seeing more of an interference effect. Remember, this was particularly done on lower body. We're seeing more of an interference effect exist in men than women for lower body. Now, when we start seeing more women in the literature, this there's a possibility, this is my opinion, there's a possibility we may see a shift. And maybe that's not true. But from what we have right now, we're seeing that. 
And I really liked Menno. He's a, uh, a researcher. He His take on this was women on average have a more endurance-oriented metabolism than men. And women tend to have higher fatigue resistance and a greater proportional slow twitch muscle fiber area than men, whereas men tend to outperform women on measures of power. Women may suffer less fatigue and muscle damage from endurance training and thereby less interference. And this is actually very true. It's interesting because, you know, you look at a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, a marathon, and it's like you look at men versus women and men during those periods will really outperform women. But you start going beyond that ultra races. Well, my sister, Ashley, one of the most difficult ultra races out there, she just won against all the women, yes, against all the men too. We are seeing the longer the race goes, guess who's winning? The women. Because we, our bodies are just primed for the greatest endurance race, which in my opinion is carrying a baby and that whole labor. (laughs) That's hard. Oh my goodness. It's like our bodies are primed to be able to endure that much pain, fatigue, et cetera, because of reproduction. So I have seen this time and time again. I agree with Menno. I've seen this, the differences between recovery time, even in between sets for men and women, I believe are different. And I really am excited for more women to show up in the literature so that we can really test these. Because right now when we're looking at what do they say as far as um, the best rest period for, you know, in between sets is two, three, maybe four minutes, depending on the conditioning of the person too. But majority of what we see is, is done on men. And so I'm really, really curious to get better and more research out there about rest periods and recovery and see what are the differences that we're really seeing in men um, and women. But also within men and women themselves, there's the variance and differences, right? So we have men coming in who are really conditioned, who probably can do less rest than, you know, four minutes or three minutes between squats because of how aerobically conditioned they are, which leads us into the next final part of this um, this episode, which so does cardio always hurt gains? Well, no, we've actually seen that cardio can potentiate greater growth. What does that word mean? Well, that means that there's a way for us to use a tool that maybe right now doesn't exactly directly build muscle, but we can use a phase or we can use cardio, that's the tool, in a way that allows for greater possible hypertrophy down the road. So how are we seeing this? Well, aerobic training promotes capillary growth around your muscles, which can help blood flow and activate satellite cells. Satellite cells are stem cells that help with repair and building more muscle fibers. So satellite cells can join with muscle fibers and help them, like I said, grow and repair. Blood flow helps deliver oxygen and remove waste and can help you recover faster. Isn't that interesting? We need a delivery of nutrients and oxygen while we're lifting and we need a quick removal of that. So here's where I always tell people they know for a fact that they actually need more cardio and that they've been lift just purely focusing on weightlifting too much is when your lungs your body's ability to deliver oxygen and nutrients go out 
before the muscle you're trying to work goes out. And I see this with both men and women, but I actually see it more with men, to be honest. There are those women that I see this in too, but I see it more with men that if they don't have a really good aerobic capacity, it can actually interfere with delivering oxygen during their lifts and removing the waste so that they can recover faster between sets. Okay. So we can see a potentiation as far as satellite cells, but even just in your workouts right now, maybe you do hack squat and you feel like you have to rest for five minutes before your next set because your um, heart rate isn't dropping very fast after the set. You, you're just breathing so heavily. Maybe you had to, to stop the set short of where you want, not because of the actual muscle getting to failure, but because you're breathing so heavily. So those are signs that, that your aerobic capacity is actually impeding your training and the muscle growth that you could be getting right now. So the idea that no cardio is ever needed for anybody who just wants to grow muscle is ridiculous because it can help with the actual hypertrophy training itself. And we see this in research as well. So once again, I'll share all these in the notes. But in in one particular study that was interesting found that a training phase, like two to three weeks of aerobic conditioning, that phase, I do this with experienced lifters. We will have systemic phases because it potentiates greater growth in the next hypertrophy phase. So let me explain that again, just to make sure we're clear. So you have a training phase, two to three weeks, because the body actually adapts to aerobic work relatively quickly. So you have two to three weeks of really focusing on systemic training. You don't have to just do cardio every single day as in get on the treadmill and run. You don't have to do that. But what you can do is you can go into the gym for two to three weeks, do 12 to 15 reps anywhere between four to six sets and have really low rest period of only 30 seconds between. And that can help with aerobic capacity. So for those of you who don't like cardio, you don't have to quote unquote add more cardio in. You can have a potentiation phase where you have that two to three weeks of doing that type of aerobic type resistance training so that you can, when you then move into your next training phase of eight to 12 weeks of hypertrophy work, you can get more hypertrophy. And the study showed exactly that. They found that a training phase of aerobic conditioning prior to then moving into a hypertrophy phase actually brought greater hypertrophy and an increase of satellite cells. That's awesome. That's a big deal. Now, keep in mind that that, for me, is an advanced approach. More than likely, I'm not going to do that for clients that are brand new. I'm going to do that more for people who have been training more often. But in my training app, I do do this. If you join the muscle and strength group, you'll notice that there are sometimes what I will call deloads. We are deloading the system, the body from hypertrophy work. And for two weeks, we are doing systemic or AMPK, uh, incomplete rest method type of training. And then we leave that, that's kind of the deload. We leave that and move back into hypertrophy. Why is Lindsay doing this? Is she just making this stuff up, making it more difficult? No, we have studies showing that you can actually potentially get more growth by bringing that in. So with my muscle and strength group in the app, in the training app, I generally don't put in cardio. I will do these potentiation phases. But there are some people who still want to do cardio because they enjoy it. 
So let's actually dive into that. And and I'm going to share my takeaways of all of this combined. There's a ton of information I just shared with you. Let's let's wrap this up. What does this mean for you? One, aerobic training is neither good nor bad. It's just a tool to be used wisely. Just like anything. I have used this analogy so many times. It's like if you're building a house and you have your favorite tool, which is a hammer, well, the hammer is great and it is amazing at what it does. But if you want to cut something, don't use a hammer. It's the wrong tool at the wrong time. And if you try to use the hammer, what you cut is not going to have a clean line. It's going to look like crap. And it'll be more work in the long run to use this hammer. And so it's the same thing with cardio or weightlifting. These things are tools to be used wisely per a desired outcome. So that's takeaway number one. It's a tool. How can we use it wisely? If you have limited aerobic capacity, like I explained, obviously it can hurt your gains. So if you find that you are going out, you're, like I said, maybe your heart rate's not coming down fast enough. You're not recovering fast enough between sets. You just feel like you're dying and you're supposed to be having two minute rest periods and you feel like you need to lengthen them out to like five or whatnot. Maybe what's really holding you back is your aerobic capacity. So your respiratory system help the whole, your, your cardiovascular system has many role, roles and it circulates oxygen and removes carbon dioxide. It provides cells with nutrients. It removes wastes. It protects the body against disease and infection, um, transports hormones to target cells and organs. You want a really healthy cardiovascular system. Okay. So just for overall general health, you want this. You don't have to be doing it all the time. You can cycle through aerobic training. So if you find that you have limited aerobic capacity and you don't want to just, you know, stop hypertrophy training and switch over to as a systemic type training, like I described, you don't have to. That's an advanced approach that somebody who is knowledgeable in program design does. For those of you who are doing your own programming and you're noticing limited aerobic capacity, add two sessions a week of cardio where you're getting into zone two, maybe pushing to three, just to make sure you're getting the needed adaptations. You don't have to do this all the time. You can just add in those two to three, maybe, maybe three sessions. Um, Those two sessions though, you can add those in for a few weeks. Nothing longer than a month is really needed. And then you can step away from it for a while again and then step back into it. So you can cycle through using cardio. You don't always have to use it. Equally, too much cardio can possibly hurt gains. If you are more intermediate and advanced, then you're not going to be doing excessive amounts of cardio. Newer lifters, it doesn't seem to matter. If you're going into a dedicated build phase, limit cardio two times a week. Um, And then let me just kind of give you some examples. I feel like these can really help. So let's just say we have Susan. Susan's been training for a while, really wants to go into a dedicated build. She enjoys cardio though. And previously was doing like cardio four times a week, as well as two aerobic classes with friends because she loves the connection and community of the aerobic classes. They're fun. They can be fun for certain people. I'm not that person, but there's other people out there that are those people. They love it. And I don't think that we need to tell them, well, that's stupid. You shouldn't be doing aerobic classes. No, they love it. It like fills their heart with joy and they're getting great aerobic conditioning from it. It's fine, right? Now doing all of the cardio and all of the classes and then trying to build at the same time, that's much. And you will see some sort of interference effect with that. So she's wondering if moving into her dedicated build is going to impede maximizing her muscle growth. Here's my recommendation. 
obviously prioritize lifting sessions and calorie surplus. But cut down on the personal cardio. Maybe just keep the two aerobic classes with your friends for right now. Make sure that you're seeing the progress that you need to with your lifts. Make sure that we are seeing the monthly increases in body weight like we want to for a build. Make sure all of these things are on point. And then if they are, add another day of cardio if you want to because you enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with that. But I would at first bring it down. Make sure recovery is great. Sleep is great. Uh, prioritizing lifting and then the calorie surplus. Well, we have another one, one more example before I finish up. Let's say Laura. Laura spent the past six months just starting to get into weightlifting and doing cardio to lose weight and is really excited about her progress. But as she's lost weight, she realizes she doesn't have the muscle she thought she would or the muscle she wants. So she decided it's time to move into a dedicated build. But she's been told that all cardio will destroy any chances she has of putting on muscle. She doesn't know if she should lift or do cardio uh, concurrently. She enjoys the cardio. She thinks it's fun and she wants to keep it in some days. You know, some of these are easy when people come to me because I'm like, do you enjoy cardio? No, oh, then don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Just cycle through it every once in a while. That's what I tell them. But if you enjoy it, that's a different story. So here's my recommendations for Laura. Obviously, like I said before, prioritize lifting sessions and calorie surplus. But Laura is a newbie lifter still. <laughs> if she only wanted to train, lift weights four times a week and wanted to do cardio the same exact day post-lift, it's really not going to hurt. It's not going to impede. Now, she doesn't need to do this cardio. She's been doing it for a while. She has the adaptations from it. She's not trying to lose weight. Remember, she's moving into a build. So she doesn't necessarily need the cardio. But if she enjoys it, we want to keep enjoyment factors in our training. We want to. It keeps us going. So if the idea is soul optimization and no enjoyment, that, that's a totally different story. But nobody's a robot like that. People have their favorite things. People have the pieces that they enjoy the most. And a good coach will find those and find ways to keep them in. So if she wants to go into a build and include cardio purely out of enjoyment, her build calories will be a little bit higher due to the energy expenditure of the cardio, but that's okay. Now, at one point for certain individuals, that may be too much. Because anybody who's actually gone into a dedicated build knows that when you start eating in a surplus for long periods of time, food can lose some of its joy and sometimes it gets blah eating as much as you have to to see the increases in body weight that you want to from month to month like you want to. So some people don't experience that. Some people who maybe naturally um, have a little bit more wasteful metabolisms, they have to eat a little bit more during builds and they do experience that. They know it's hard. So adding in cardio that will then need to add in more calories into the nutrition plan could work against them just because then they wouldn't be as adherent to eating in the surplus. So for those people, we do need to just say no cardio for now because it's making you actually struggle hitting your nutrition goals and seeing the increases we need to from month to month in body weight. Because in a dedicated build, you do want to see at least 0.5 to 1.5 increases in body weight a month. So there, there it is, guys. There's my spiel on the interference effect how we really don't need to be as scared of it as we think, how women may have a specifically lower body, more capabilities, and therefore recover faster, um, have a greater, maybe suffer less fatigue, um, 
from endurance training, so it not really affecting them as much. Some women, that might though. So if somebody comes to me and they're very well trained and they want to build their legs and they're worried about interference effect, I would say, and they really want to keep cardio in because of enjoyment factor, or maybe they're going to an aerobics class. They lift, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and they go to aerobics classes on Thursday, Tuesday and Thursdays because they love it. Say that you can do, but try not to lift on those aerobic days. Separate them as much as you can if you are a trained individual. Um, so that is the main focus. Anyways, I hope that this um, episode today was helpful. If you have anybody who feels like they're worried about the interference effect, they don't know how much cardio to add if they are trying to do body recomp or a build, then go ahead and tag or send this to them and so that they can learn a little bit more too. Remember guys, November 18th launches Be Strong. You can sign up at liftinglindsay.com before then. Um, you'll get access to the app. And then on Saturday, the 18th, you'll get another email giving you access to the community. They are two separate um, apps. So we have the community app, Be Strong, and we have the uh, training app but it's all the same price. The training is just part of Be Strong. So anyways, I invite you guys to check that out. And hopefully this was helpful. If you have any questions, send me a DM, Lifting Lindsay on Instagram, or check out the website, liftinglindsay.com. Have a wonderful week.